four, three, two, one. What's up, baby? What it do? Are you white or are you a Jew? Maybe I'm one or two things and we bring you the truth by any freaking means so here we go we're gonna get started Ooh, what's that smell i think you farted sometimes i freestyle and i run for a mile sometimes you get out of the shower and use a towel this is all real words and i just say it how it is because we bring you the truth from an apolitical lens what's up baby boys and girls men and women children of all ages welcome to the jonathan kogan show i'm your host johnny k that was a freestyle for you, not written down, not planned, straight fire, lit from the candle. That is what we do. And I didn't say, I did not swear. I said fricking. Okay. So it's all age appropriate. If you have children in the car, if you have whatever, anywhere, it's all kosher, like a sausage linked hot dog. Okay. That's probably not kosher, right? So here we go, baby. So I want to be very clear. We don't care what your background is. It's Easter today. So if you're Christian, I think it's a Christian holiday. Happy Easter. If you're not religious, happy Sunday. It doesn't matter. We're all here. We're all on the same team. The people are coming together at record speed. The elites are terrified. And that's good. That's good because we should take our world back because power to the people, the people should rule. That is how the earth is designed, even though we've had tyranny for many generations, which brings me to today's topic. The hoax or the great dis, the great disinformation hoax. Fantastic interview on Unheard with Freddie Sayers with Jacob Siegel, who is a journalist who has dissected this almost as well as we have on the Jonathan Cogan show, but very, very well about misinformation, disinformation, how we don't believe in those words. That those are just words used that that go against, you know, the, the government and elite narrative. And you already know that because you're listening to Jonathan Cogan show. If you're new to the Jonathan Cogan show, welcome to the side of truth. That is what we do here. We don't have an agenda. Why? Because we don't believe in it. No, we believe in agendas, but we just don't use them. Okay. We just want to become the top apolitical podcast in the world. We're kind of already there. So we're just trying to become the top news commentary podcast in the world. And that we're not at yet. So that's the next goal. And then the top news, news podcast. So got a lot of clips today. A lot of clips. This is one of the best interviews. It's very, very good. It, it hits home. It brings together a lot of the stuff we've been saying on this podcast in fantastic form. So the great disinformation hoax. Okay. And the first thing we're going to get into is what is disinformation? And a lot of the stuff you, you've heard before, but this is for the new people. And just to hear another person's perspective, a journalist, so it's not just me. So you know the people are coming together, that it's truth. Again, Jacob Siegel, the great disinformation hoax on Unheard. Let's start off with what does dis disinformation actually mean? Take it away, Jacob. That machinery of censorship is not simply, uh, say, opportunistically, looking to erase certain things from the public record that are, you know, unflattering to political elites. It's actually rather more than that. It, it is a means of governance. It is a system of power. It, own, uh, it, it, it is its own system of power outside of the whole official in the U.S. constitutional means by which the government Disinformation and this, what is explicitly referred whole of society charter of disinformation. This is a word that comes up repeatedly um, from the government agencies like the State Department 
and the Department of Homeland Security that were in charge of the counter disinformation efforts continuously refer to it as a whole of society, meaning that it has to draw together all of these different notions and these different um, branches of uh, society, the corporate sector, NGO sector, et cetera. And in so doing, it essentially places itself above democratic constitutional procedures, clearly above the, the voters and citizens of the country as uh, its self-legitimating system. So we're going to get more detail into this. But what's interesting is this is why you're seeing this being such a powerful infrastructure is that the elites from from different sides, like Bill Crystal, who's a huge war Republican, neocon type guy coming together then with like, uh, you know, someone on the left, I would say Barack Obama, but he's kind of like center right, like very pro war and stuff. So not the best, but how we think, how people are labeled, let's just say Democrat, Republican, right? They've come together to unite under this one cause to censor the citizens, to to get their own narrative and run the show however they want. And we're going to get into great detail of not only how all these different factions of the elites and in, these elite institutions have come together to join hands to uh, ultimately gain full unilateral power but also why they did it, what their goals were. But before we get too much into that, I want to say, like, when you read something that says, oh, disinformation, misinformation, like now, maybe, maybe you know, a couple years ago is a little bit different, but now, are you, does it kind of rub you the wrong way? Are you kind of like, uh, I don't trust this, or, you know, are people using this because they're trying to propagandize me? Well, the truth is, yes, yes, they, they are. They are. So here's Freddie saying when he he admits that when he reads a document saying these words, he's super skeptical and you should be skeptical. Listen to this. Confess that if I read a document and it starts talking about myths or disinformation, or if you're having a conversation and you hear someone talking about disinformation, I sort of wince like, no, I don't like concept. Is that where you've reached as well? we should just be saying no outright to the whole concept of disinformation? Or are there any scenarios in which you think, okay, we should allow the concept to at least continue to exist? Start with the no, and then we can discuss the very rare exceptions. In general, anytime you hear about disinformation, you know, your stomach should turn a bit and you should feel revolted because it is a means of controlling you. And it's an undemocratic, uh, you know, I've I've written for Unheard before about the system of secrecy and the ways in which uh, bureaucratic secrecy and especially the secrecy of all powerful intelligence agencies in the U.S. And this is, you know, really a five eyes and a NATO thing. So it's not exclusive to the U.S., but it's most fully developed in the U.S. Bureaucratic national security secrecy is its own system of government. And whenever you hear disinformation, what you're really hearing is the shadow government enforcing its prerogative in ways that are not subject to the normal procedures and uh, mechanisms. So that's really important. So you're going to hear the shills for the regime and people who will do anything for a buck on the internet. Uh, like Aaron Ruper and other con artists that will defend 
the, all of a sudden they will defend these intelligence agencies. Oh my God, they're just trying to protect the American people. Oh my God, they're so good. Even though decade, literally not even like month after month or year after year, decade after decade, they have been shown to lie. In fact, they assassinated allegedly our own president, John F. Kennedy. I mean, come on. I mean, this is just crazy. All right. They're assassinating our presidents because they don't like them because Kennedy in a similar way, actually, ironically to Trump. Listen, we just talk about things apolitically. This is just true. They both are very outspoken of abolishing the deep state and getting rid of it and just just clamping down on it and putting actually democratic controls over it and giving freedom to the people instead of these unelected bureaucrats who really run the show in D.C. And when and when John F. Kennedy did it. Pow, pow. He was shot in the head in a convertible. Trump, now he's going to jail and stuff. Whole lot of little kind of similarities. It just, you know, it's, you can't talk bad about the deep state because the deep state really is the one who funnels these stories to the mainstream media, which then gets coverage. They're, they're, it's kind of the whole doom loop, which we're going to get into very shortly here. Um, so let's get into this next part here. Uh, I forget what this next episode or episode, but uh, segment is, but we will find out very shortly and then we'll come back on the other side. So here we go. Oh yeah. This is how, so we've met, I mentioned on this show many times why I don't like using the words disinformation, misinformation is it was created by the Soviet union for the very reason it's really being used today, which is anything that wavered from the government narrative was disinformation or misinformation. It was created by the Soviets. The government, the Soviet government that we're not supposed to like and is very centralized and communist to to uh, shut down detractors and, and say they're traitors and treason and all this stuff. And the similarities between with the Cold War and now this Trump era has reignited all that because of some powerful elites are willing to do anything to not have a populist um, uprising. OK, the people coming together and there was a populist uprising on the right, which is Trump and a populist uprising on the left, which is Bernie Sanders. They, they, they staged a coup with Bernie Sanders in the Democratic, uh, you know, primary and got him out of the way and Hillary took over him and then he became a, a shield for the regime. But he probably would have won the election, let's be honest. And the same people that really wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders, which is far left, probably ended up going to Trump instead of Hillary Clinton because Trump and Bernie are closer together than Hillary and like Barack. Okay. There it's like Hillary and Barack on the same team, but Trump and Bernie on the same team. You wouldn't think that. Or I would say I would say Hillary and like George Bush, okay, different parties on both sides, Bernie and Trump, both different parties, but it's really the populace, the people, and then the regime, and George Bush and Barack are the regime. So they got Bernie out of the way, and then they try to get Trump out of the way, but Trump actually won. And then so when the regime and the the elites see a populist uprising and the uprising, they will do anything to shut that down, like even to the extent of framing a sitting president that he is committing espionage, that he's a Putin puppet, which was all a, a lie, which is insanity, which we'll get into in great detail here. And the Trump era are two very key periods of history, aren't they? Because that initial sense of paranoia and fear about information and, you know, it takes us all the way back to the Red Scare and Joseph McCarthy. And some of that same atmosphere was rediscovered in the Trump era by his political opponents, who's they, they, they started it all up again. Is that, is that how you see the history? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, and the, the great irony or perversity, as you like, uh, is that the people who were most explicitly McCarthyite in the Trump era, who were 
denouncing people as Russian stooges without evidence were the kind of liberal standard bearers for whom McCarthy was supposed to be one of, not was supposed to be, for whom McCarthyism had been one of the great central allegories, moral allegories of political life in America. And this was, you know, it really like at the kind of liberal catechism in America, this McCarthyite episode. And, um, you know, the lesson that was supposed to have been taken from that was it could happen here in the famous phrase used by Sinclair Lewis as the title of one of his novels, meaning that, you know, this the fascism could descend on America in the form of a, a McCarthy character, right? And the people who were most alert to that threat of McCarthyite fascism went on to denounce people willy-nilly as Putinites. Um, the bridge between the Cold War and the Trump era is the war on terror. And the war on terror takes the security bureaucracies of the Cold War that were built during the Cold War and which had already become large and unaccountable and had, um, you know, there were congressional uh, committees and inquiries to deal with their malfeasance and the ways in which they were going around Congress and escaping political oversight. Um, but then after 9-11, they became not only did they become vastly more powerful, they used private tech companies as outsourced um, private extra legal firms essentially to carry out the mass surveillance that uh, they wanted to do and continued to do, um, but didn't want to make privy to congressional. So what's really important there is something we talk about all the time, which is this this age we're in, which is so unusual of hypocrisy, which are the people that were most alert to these powerful institutions like joining forces and, and becoming, I don't like using fascists because people throw that away around, but becoming a, a, a fascist regime or becoming um, a, a tyrannical government are the same people that were cheering it on. It was like this ironic, very weird period of time, which is still occurring, which is the very people that are telling you to watch out for this or watch out for that just decades ago, or are like just proponents of free speech, no matter what, like just will do anything. We'll protect Nazis free speech when they're marching in a Jewish neighborhood or something, you know, which they highly disagree with, but they fought for the right for free speech are now the people that are saying censorship, trust the intelligence agency, intelligence agencies, shut down the peasants, like kill the peasants, put them in the gulags, get rid of them, like basically put them in camps. Like it's absolutely insanity. The, the, the irony is just absurd. It's like laughable. That's why we have so much fun on this podcast it's because we're apolitical and we can just see truth. It's so wild. It's so wild that they got that this group of people was brainwashed that were the people who believed the exact opposite just decades before. It, which is crazy. Like people say like the, the Kennedy Democrat. And it's funny because now Kennedy is now running for president or a Kennedy and a Kennedy Democrat is getting smeared all over the mainstream media because they don't like the politics of a Democrat in this day and age. It doesn't fit the narrative. You need to have full control. You need to believe in the intelligence agencies that really love the people and love your grandkids and want a fantastic country and don't, don't uh, engage in coups in literally 160 democracies across the world. They didn't overthrow the UK, Ukraine government. They didn't do anything bad. They're the CIA. They would never hurt anybody. They love you. 
I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, you're listening to you're like, oh my God, obviously this is absolutely wild, but people believe that. I have people close to me and believe that. It's absolutely crazy. So brings me to the next clip here, uh, which is bringing in uh, the Trump era uh, and what this culminates into. So take a listen. To the, to the Trump era, culminating in his victory in 2016 and, and the Democrats and I reaction to that. That doom loop just got deeper and deeper, didn't it? Deeper and deeper. And Trump, because he was such a threatening figure, you know, threatening for reasons that I think were understandable at the time. Um, so the response to Donald Trump was unbelievably damaging. Um, the response being, hey, let's simply delegitimate the uh, Democratic vote, let's delegitimate the election. This being the response from high-level Democratic Party officials, Hillary Clinton, chief among them. Um, but Trump was a, a strange, wild man who did some um, kind of weird and uh, did things in 2015 and 2016 that caused people real alarm. And um, that the effect of basically pulling together all of the different branches of the U.S. elite. So these branches that might have had implicit affinities, but were not acting in a coordinated way prior to Trump, because Trump was seen as the great unholy, demonic threat to all of civilization, brought Wall Street together with Facebook employees, together with the NGOs together with the CIA and the FBI. And you had this coordinated campaign by the elite institutions in America to delegitimate Donald Trump and the mechanisms that they used for this. You, know, you talked about this tendency towards a kind of tribal factionalism and, and fighting when we lose trust in society. And that can be bad enough. But in this case, what happened was uh, essentially, you know, not all of, but virtually all of the federal bureaucracies together with the other elite institutions who control the sense-making apparatus in America, they all got in on this conspiracy. And the conspiracy was to portray Donald Trump as a stooge of Vladimir Putin and to suggest that, um, you know, his election was illegitimate and that he was one day he was a fascist. The next day he was a Putin agent. They were sort of interchangeably. And then disinformation entered the picture at the end of Barack Obama's term in office. And the last thing Barack Obama did was to sign uh, through the NDAA, essentially the defense bill, to sign the Countering Foreign Disinformation Act, which uh, created this agency, the Global Engagement Center in the State Department, and fully committed the U.S. political class, U.S. government, to a counter-disinformation campaign, always in spirit and very quickly in practice as well, an information war direct to the American people, as it had to be. So the word Since foreign then in the name of that agency was just forgotten about? Or was the, 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 the sort of myth of 
so so then he asked does is that a reason to legitimate uh 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 surveillance and so people don't know that one of the last things so after trump won the election one of the last things barack obama did probably in light of that happening was sign this into law so that we can have disinformation for foreign adversaries, which was obviously then weaponized against the American people, which we're going to get into how it was weaponized during COVID, which obviously uh, people I think are aware of at this point. Maybe some people aren't. I'm not sure who they are. Um, but uh, uh, maybe they saw such a threat. Let's put this in place before he enters office and we can start building this up. And as you see, the whole uh, censorship industrial complex has become bigger and bigger and bigger and it's being hard it's harder and harder to defeat i think the peasants are coming together at, at, at a much faster rate than ever before but i i've said this for like many months now and clearly i've been wrong because there's like david from or whatever one of the atlantic uh a, a writer for the atlantic who has like over a million followers on twitter literally tweeted out uh trump putin was real the twitter files are fake that was his tweet and like jimmy Dore uh, responded and he says black is white up is down blue and on like it's all that we know those are lies but you have this mainstream that that attached themselves to these lies for so many years now that if they backtrack they look like clowns but obviously if they keep going and people know the truth they even look even worse so it's like do we triple down on this and just hope people never see the truth or do we admit fault and they're they're choosing the way of tripling down on on, on falsehoods and so a lot of people are really currently living in an alternate reality of life because they have believed these lies for so long that when you show them the data and the info that shows what the truth is, and without having agendas, just the objective truth, like the moderate truth, they're unwilling to absorb it or hear it because they have they have relied so heavily on this being true for literally seven years, or eight years. Like it's crazy since 2016. And people say you're conspiracy theorists. Well, guess what? This is a conspiracy. It is a lot of elite institutions coming together in a conspiracy against the American people and really all the people of the West, of the, all the West, all of Europe, Canada, you know, Australia. It's been weapon. It's that's the five eyes. When he says the five eyes, it's the intelligence agencies of the five biggest countries in the West, which is like the UK, the United States, Australia, Canada. You know, those are the five eyes. There's another one, too. So, uh, and, and we have the five eyes specifically because in law, the, the United States intelligence agencies cannot spy on the two people, even though we know they do. Shout out Edward Snowden. Um, and so we then have like the UK spy on the American people and then we just go through them and they have the same law. So they just come to the US and we spy on their people and we just become this vast international global surveillance scheme. It's crazy. So, um, I want to, uh, bring this forward into, Oh, and then what you hear a lot today is a lot of doublespeak, right? Which is like, um, this is, you know, like, uh, uh, fake news got, uh, Trump elected or disinformation got, got Trump elected. And then it's like, oh, disinformation. And he just hear him say it. Okay. But you hear a lot of doublespeak now, right? Uh, masks work, masks don't work, masks kind of work, blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. So this was a way for the elite to come together to go to Facebook and other private companies and say, we're going to help you. Here we go. A, fake news did cause this, and, and B, we can help you. So you never have this problem again. And that's how they install themselves inside of Facebook as this sort of privatized compliance cadre um, to ensure that there is no more 
dissent against certain ruling party orthodox. Yep. So they, that's what happened. They leveraged the situation. So what, what, what objectively has happened is they leveraged the situation of Trump getting elected, which was a populist movement on the right, to clamp down against all future populist movements, whether it's on left, right, center. It doesn't matter. You can't have that happen. You cannot have the elites in jeopardy of losing their power because they live for power. Literally, they probably suck blood out of babies. They love that stuff, okay? They are wild, okay? They're, they're, it's crazy. There a lot of a lot of pedophiles, a lot it's very bad, okay? You might say, Oh, it's a conspiracy there. Okay, just do your research, all right? Just do your research, okay? Literally for centuries the elites have sacrificed babies, okay? That's what they do. All right. That's what they do. Um the the Bilderberg group, go learn, go learn. Come on, come on now. You know I don't lie to you. So uh, one of the most high-profile examples of this was Hamilton 68, which the Twitter files just revealed recently was an actual conspiracy that was saying, oh, it's because Russian disinformation and we need to you know, flag all these posts on Twitter and social media so we could take them down before Russia takes over the United States. You know, And Russia is like this weak little country that came and beat Ukraine. Like there's nothing. Um, really, the United States would take them out in like 12 hours. It's like nothing. Uh, and Hamilton 68 is doing this, but really what Hamilton 68 was quickly turned around and weaponized against who? The American people to censor on bigger topics such as COVID and other things, which we'll get into the details of that right after this. But if you don't know Hamilton 68 and what's been exposed in the Twitter files, here's a little background on that. Hamilton 68 is the name of this very high profile dashboard, as it's called at the time, that is tracking Russian influence on Twitter and on social media. It gets a ton of attention in the press when it debuts in uh, the fall of 2017. It gets write-ups everywhere. And it's as Twitter officials are looking at the back end, because Hamilton 68 itself never discloses its list of supposed which it is using to map out this vast conspiracy of Russian influence online. It refuses to disclose that on the grounds that if it discloses it, uh, these Russian operatives will go into hiding. Well, Twitter is able to reverse engineer it because they have access to it on the back end. And there's a series of conversations, and this all comes out from Matt Taibbi's reporting primarily, people's reporting as well through the Twitter files, absolutely like bombshell stuff that the mainstream press largely just ignores. And it shows that people like Roth are saying, you know, Roth calls it bullshit. He says that the there's no evidence uh, that these people who are being accused of being Russian stooges are actually Russian stooges, that they're being smeared without evidence. And there's an internal conversation about this at the time inside of Twitter. And it's just swept under the rug. So even somebody like Roth, who knows that this is bullshit, calls it that, um, doesn't say anything to the public. The Hamilton 68 narrative, which gets picked up and trumpeted by the press, becomes the official narrative. And, you know, that's just one example. You can, people can read the Inspector General report on the origins of the Trump claims for themselves and see what its findings are. And, and it finds not only that there was no evidence of active collusion between the uh, Trump campaign and Russia, but also that the claims of influence were vastly overstated. Um, so again, it's, it's not just me. It's all. So that last part is actually super underrated important. <laughs> okay. It's all out there. 
everything you learn on this podcast, you might have learned from this podcast, but it's all out there. They are really banking on you not willing to do your own research, to just read the headlines, to stick to the mainstream propaganda, to not look elsewhere and to not learn and do research. Because if you did research, all the peasants would come together and turn against the elite and the game would be over. And they'd never get it back. The power dynamic is over, totally shifts back to the peasants. They are banking on you not doing your research. And so far, maybe not you, but people you know are doing a really good job of not doing their own research. You're doing a great job. You're playing right into their hand, just listening to their headlines, to not looking in depth into these issues and just listen to literal propaganda. You know, I just watched a video and then we'll get into how this all ties into the COVID era, which is fantastic, which is the next part. Which is, I just watched, what is it, Joseph Goebbels? He was the head propaganda guy for Hitler in Nazi Germany. I just watched a documentary on him. Thank goodness we have places like YouTube, Twitter. I mean, even though they've been censored, you still have outlets to find creators that can use different language to talk about the truth. You can find them. They're all out there. I don't think Goebbels would have succeeded back then in Nazi Germany where he had propaganda coming out of the radio and all people just heard it, whether it was passively or actively, and they just absorbed the propaganda. And then, boom, it created the whole Nazi catastrophe holocaust. Okay, not saying this is going to end in the same way, but the the idea of the propaganda shaping the masses, the mass of the crowds. I just read that book, too. I believe it's called Masses of the Crowds, uh, which was which inspired Mussolini to uh, implement a fascist regime in Italy. It was this one book and how you can brainwash masses of people to create an uprising or a tyrannical government, all this stuff. And that that's what inspired him. And it's fascinating how similar to what those things mentioned in that book are relevant to today. It's absolutely stunning, right? It's like easier to brainwash the masses than it is individual people. And people lose their self-identity, their ability to do their own research and just engage in this groupthink, this hive mind, where they're unwilling to accept new data and information that is counter to really the cult's narrative. It's a cult. You are experiencing what it's like to either see a cult in operation. Maybe you are in the cult. It's a cult. That's how it is. I mean, it just is what it is. It is a, it's a mind that if you deviate from whatever it is that day of virtue signaling is, you're kicked out. You're done. You must stick with the cult. And you're seeing a lot of people defect. And then on the other side, it's just team peasant, just us. Like we're just here saying, Hey, what up? What'd it do? Come over. Let's have some fun. Okay. So this all culminated. So this started, it was signed in by Obama, like 2016, and it's been building for years. And then you have a pandemic occur and it was perfectly set up for all of this stuff to go into action, into super drive, like something we've never seen before. And this is probably one of the most important clips here. So take a listen. Because the, the atmosphere you're describing, the seeds were sown already but it definitely feels like the whole thing fast-forwarded and really blossomed during the COVID era. How do you see that, those years? So you pointed out uh, that there was originally this foreign dimension, and it's in the name of the initial act that Obama passes as one of his last acts in office, countering foreign disinformation. But from the very beginning, that foreign is a, a kind of ruse that's setting up what is actually a much larger, you know, effectively omnidirectional structure, because the internet is global that can censor anywhere, but which is in practice focused on the domestic political environment inside the U.S. and specifically on this populist surge, which is taken as an existential threat by the uh, ruling party officials in the U.S. who see populism in, in truly apocalyptic terms. 
Um, so from the beginning, that's built into it. One more thing that happened very early on, which is really critically important, is on January 7th of 2017, Jet Johnson, who is the um, head of the Department of Homeland Security, passes a measure that declares the electoral infrastructure of the United States critical infrastructure that is going to be federalized and protected by the government. So this happens after he's tried to do this for months. He runs into massive resistance and you can read Johnson's own account. I described quote Johnson in the piece talking about how when he tried to do this initially, uh, local electoral officials were saying, you can't do this. This is a usurpation of our local uh, sovereignty. So how does he do it? He just, you know, he says, OK, no problem. And then he waits till he's almost out of office and passes this. So now the federal government and specifically Department of Homeland Security has control over the electoral infrastructure in the U.S. Now COVID arrived. What that means is that because the Internet is connected to election integrity, what it means, Freddie, what it means in effect is that this was a kind of coup and that under the pretext of foreign disinformation, a small but very uh, well-organized coterie of political officials declared essentially unilateral power over the entire U.S. political system. That's what it means. And so they did this by, you know, sort of seizing, seizing the commanding heights like the electoral system and like the social media companies themselves, where the intelligence agencies installed their own teams to monitor, you know, effectively to, to monitor dangerous content and then to push for what they wanted censored. So all of this has a political context up until COVID arrives. It goes from foreign to domestic, but it's still in some sense explicitly focused on political threats, um, or if you prefer, you know, foreign. So, oh, okay. So, so what's really important here is that was a coup. It was a coup against the American people. All right. I mean, you got to be paying attention now. This was a coup against the American people. How insane is that? They did this intentionally. I mean, this is just unbelievable. And we've been talking about this. In the I got a lot of hate for covering this stuff, you know, almost a year ago. Uh, but the truth has to be told. We must come together. We must realize that our federal government has turned against us. It's happened in literally every regime that's had a government of all time. So this isn't crazy. Okay. And. Let me just continue because now, now the virus arrives and how it's applied. And it all gets uh, seamlessly, it's applied to COVID, which is described as the infodemic. Infodemic? Right? So again, like information war, fifth generation warfare stuff we've talked on this podcast like an incredible amount of times. And by the way, you can go back and listen to the episode called Woke War 3 which explains a lot of these elite institutions coming together that really were against one another, but in the, in, in, in the name of mis and disinformation came together to weaponize their government agencies against the American people and how 
really the virus was an infodemic. That was what it was. It was control of information and people weren't getting the truth except places like the Jonathan Kogan show and others, you know, very important. Okay. So let's get back to it. Infodemic is what he said. And to, to your point about the opacity of these terms and the ways in which they're not, they're ill-defined, they're amorphous, they're, they're simply vehicles for uh, censorious power. And so what was supposed to be focused on foreign disinformation then becomes a means of censoring what is supposedly deadly COVID disinformation which is, you know, we're told over and over again, is literally killing people. So you have these government-led efforts to censor COVID disinformation. um, And, you know, you have companies like Facebook, uh, or it's Meta, actually, so this would include both both Facebook and Instagram, bragging about censoring or flagging, you know, downvoting, in some way censoring more than 20 million posts related to COVID disinformation. Now, what does COVID So all of these places that people are going to, like a lot of the hate I've gotten from people close to me is like, oh, you can just go on Google and, and, and you can find out the misinformation that I peddle in 10 seconds. That's what they do. They fix the results. They are making you see an alternate, whatever is the narrative or the disinformation of the day. They, they, they curate the information based on that. You've been, it's been weaponized on every platform you've been on, every search engine you've been on. And unless you've realized that the world is not, doesn't seem like everything's going normal, you have then ventured out on your own and found creators or podcasts like this and many others and realize, oh my God, I've been tricked. We've been duped. This is absolutely insane. I never thought this would happen in my lifetime, but it did. But there is a way to find the truth. You just have to look for it. You can't look at the number one result of Google. You can't look at, at Facebook. All the like I, You can't even look at YouTube at one point. Our first channel was kicked off. We were kicked off. We were banned, permanently banned. For what did I do? All I did was read the Pfizer documents. I just read them word for word to see if it would be censored. I didn't even give my commentary on that episode. I just read them. So here's the last clip of this episode. And then I got one more, one, two clips from another episode, which I'll explain right after this. Here we go. And I think that, uh, you know, the greatest mass migration of the modern era is the migration to online affected by the COVID lockdowns, which made people just exponentially more vulnerable to information operations and to uh, programs of information control. You know, if you're living your life online in lockdown, all of a sudden, you know, your senses are no longer regulating your sense of reality in the same way. And that has all kinds of horrible effects. Depression shoots up. uh, You know, it's, it's the ways in which it's bad are, are numerous, but one of them, is that it makes people more susceptible to these sorts of campaigns. And it's not just controversial material that's getting um, censored, I, I want to add. It's a totally capricious standard that's defined by the whims of the government and the institutional bodies at any moment. So Google's policy, for instance, which was to flag information, literally they use the word problematic, that's deemed problematic or that goes against World Health Organization guidelines or US CDC guidelines. And those are both trustworthy. At various points includes, you could be censored for suggesting that COVID came from a laboratory in China, right? That was, you could be censored. You could be censored for suggesting 
that uh, masks don't work, right? That masks don't stop transmission. Of course, you could be censored for suggesting that vaccines don't stop transmission. You could be censored for suggesting any number of things that later turned out to be true. And the standard, it's not that science was wrong. or that Just to add one wrong. in my mind, particularly yeah. egregious example, we had a piece that was criticizing the World Health Organization's report into China's handling of this is important as being inadequate because it was carried out in a very short, small number of days and was completely uncritical of the Chinese regime. And of course, the World Health Organization gets a lot of funding from China. This piece came out in Unheard and then was censored by Facebook. So, you know, the tentacles went very far and, and some very, very strange decisions were made during that time. As they were always intended to go, in, in my assessment, uh, as was the plan all along. And, um, you know, it's hard to get into, a, it sounds like a, a large and um, maybe at this point unsubstantiated assertion, but I think I, I will be able to substantiate it in future work on this. And it's substantiated already to some extent in my essay, uh, A Guide to Understanding the Hoax of the Century, the hoax of the century. Did you hear him? The hoax of the century. Something we have been crushed for on this podcast for just trying to get the people the truth. The hoax of the century. That it what it is, my friends. It's very sad. Yes, it's very sad. The elites were weaponizing their grand organizations, bureaucratic institutions against us. But we must realize it happened. Okay, this was the ultimate hoax of a century. And they locked us down and we begged for it. So many people in the land of the free begged to be locked down, which brings me to my next and last video segment. There's two clips, last segment. It's on uh, this new podcast, uh, which is called Founders Forum, uh, Infinio.io. It's episode 10 with George Gammon about the concern, and this ties right in to missing disinformation to what we believe on this podcast to be the ultimate last step for full tyranny that what we just went through was a practice run and the grand experiment is to get control the money control the world is to get central bank digital currencies adopted by the public and is it that oh they're gonna have to shove it down their throats or are they are we gonna beg for it are we gonna beg for tyranny because so far we have one example where guess what? We begged for it. Take a listen to George Gammon explain this and how dis and misinformation tie into CBDCs. It is not over yet. Take a listen. When Putin hated, I mean, you had like the opera in New York, like all the Russian singers that hadn't been to Russia in like 30 years. I mean, it was complete and utter hysteria. And they made the same argument back then, Bob exact same argument what well, we've got so if we have to we're just going to penalize these people that have nothing to do with russia right now other than just some random piece of sand where they were born and we're going to do that to send a message yeah. so and this is our moral duty to do so and it's the same thing during covid right and all this misinformation and disinformation i heard it nonstop on twitter where the people would say oh hey look no 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 we're not making free speech illegal, free speech is illegal, but there might be consequences to your free speech. 
and it might come with a price. And you can see the exact same thing with that social score that, hey, you can still say whatever you want, but there may be consequence. No, you know, how it would play out, it would depend on just kind of how the the social winds were blowing and, and what the most recent virtue signaling thing was. But I think it'll definitely be used to give people to issue and more specifically an interest rate. Yeah. And I think that's one of the main prices you'll have to pay that you might not get approved for that mortgage as easily. You'll be hired or fired potentially based on your credit score where again, the, the government will say, Hey, we're, we're not doing this. No, your business saw your terrible social score because you eat too much beef and you use too much diesel. They know that you're a horrible human being that doesn't care about the environment. So why would they want to hire you? And, and that, that's how it plays so out. You're, you're so we're, we, people begged for it. People begged for it. The mis and disinformation is what's going to bring in the ultimate control, which is the economy is going through the gutter and they go up. Oh, here you go. Log into FedNow, which is released in June, and all your money will be there, and you can now use FedCoin. Don't worry. There's no malice. We won't do anything bad with it, and they probably won't for a little bit. And then before you know it, they take full control, and that's game over, baby. You had too many stakes that year? No house for you, baby. No food next week. Game over. And let's have the last clip here from George Gammon explaining just that and how this all ends. And then we'll take it on the other side, and we'll wrap this up. But like I said earlier, if you are a man and you do not have kids, don't wrap it up. We are on the verge of population collapse. A little off topic, but population collapse. Do not wrap it up. Go for it. Release it and have children. We need more productivity. We need better GDP. So go out there. and Do not wrap it up. But let's wrap this up and come out on the other side. But you know where you should come out. Okay. To 2020. You know, the central planners came out initially with the lockdowns, but then after about a month or two, once they instilled this tremendous year, you saw people all over the United States, the land of the free, actually demanding that the government lock them in a cage. They demanded that the government make it illegal for them to walk their dog. They demanded the government to force them to inject a foreign substance into their vein just to go to work. And it got to the point where a lot of people were demanding that the government force them to inject that foreign substance into their two-year-old. And I think that's where people really started to push back. But my point there is that's, I'm just using that as an example of if fear is high enough, uh, the people will demand that central bank digital currency. The central planners won't need to thrust it or force us as a society to use it. And I think that's what I'm most concerned about going into the next. So if it's painful enough, we will beg for help. We will beg for help. If you don't have enough money to eat or there's a shortage of food and the government's offering you food or money, you will do anything for it because it's survival. So are they going to make the times more difficult so they can then implement the last stage of this hoax, which is central bank digital currencies? That's the question. Now, we don't know how it's going to roll out. We just know that the yield, the, 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 the two-year and the 10-year are inverted, which means that we're on the verge of a collapse. 
of, of a recession. And usually when the recession hits, they become uninverted and it's becoming less inverted by the day. So that tsunami is heading our way very quickly. And that recession is going to be here. And it, maybe they won't do quantitative easing. They won't pump billions of dollars in. And then instead they're going to say, oh, everything's covered. And more banks are going to collapse. And they're going to say, don't worry. The Fed has all your money. You now bank with the Fed, everybody. No more commercial banks. That's only one way. Maybe it's through the commercial banks because obviously Chase, Bank of America, they don't want to relinquish their power. This is You are watching the elites at the highest level internationally, domestically fight for ultimate control of the peasants. But here is the truth. The peasants can take control of ourselves and truly self-govern govern internationally. Internationally. Okay? Learn about Bitcoin. Learn, become active in your communities, become friends with your neighbor, love people who have different political leanings than you do. Go out with them, have some supper, have some dinner, okay? Go have a child with someone of the other political party and create a political child, okay? We need more apolitical children. I have an apolitical child. She'll never be political, no chance, impossible. She won't even know what politics is. She will see the world through a political lens forever because that is survival okay and if we do come together they cannot have full-blown tyranny but we cannot let them control the money we can't let them control the food and we can't let them to control the energy i just went top down but if you went the other way they're trying to control all three they're all being weaponized but you see the truth please share this with someone who needs to wake up Please share this with at least three people. We need more people. Yes, we have people all over the world tuning into this. Yes, we are creating a community like no other on the internet. This is the ultimate network state. The moral deficit that we are solving for is being apolitical. Okay, it doesn't exist in this world. But here on this podcast, in this community, you don't have to be political. You are loved no matter who you are, where you're from, what you stand for, what you look like, who you're with. What you, It doesn't matter. We love you on here. This is a pure love podcast. And we are bringing apolitical beliefs to the front lines. And that's what people want. The people want it. No wonder this this podcast is catching steam. Yes, we tell the truth. Of course, that's a big part of it. But the other part is we just tell the truth because we don't have political leanings. Only people who don't tell the truth are political hacks, okay? They are political hacks. If anyone's lying to you about stuff going on, they're partisan. Whether it's left, right, it doesn't matter. They're partisan. But people who tell the truth, like Jimmy Dore, like myself, we don't have political leanings. We just care about the people. We realize the game is for the peasants and we will come together. Please share this with three people, someone that needs to hear it, and then two people who are already awake. Subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. Take you two seconds. Maybe it'll take you 15 seconds. Maybe if you take a while typing and you're old, it'll take you like a minute 30 Give it a five-star review. Please write something in there for some feedback. I'll read it at the top of the next episode. We need more five-star reviews to make this podcast go international, go to the top of the rankings, and then I'll never ask for anything again. So only thing I ask you is one thing, five-star review on whatever platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, doesn't matter, wherever you get your podcast, and a short little review like I love this podcast or, or feedback, anything. Five-star review, that's all I want from you. I love you. I'll see you later.